Welcome to Should We? Creative conversations about the everyday choices that make us. With Lisa Sanchez and Diana Kimball Berlin. Brought to you by MailChimp. Hello, this is me, Lisa. And I'm here to introduce to you a previously recorded episode. We recorded this months ago, right before I went into my very first coach training. And uh, after this episode, we will be fast forwarding. And uh, in the episodes to come, you'll get to hear a lot more about what happened after. Hello, Lisa. Hello, Diana. What are we here to talk about today? Well, we are here to <laughs> talk about what I'm about to do a week from now. And what's that? That is my first coach training course. Ah! <laughs> you know, I actually feel a little chagrined. About this, because I know that if we went back to the archives around the episode where you first talked about your plans to begin coaching, and then the episode where you had had your first training and you're like talking about what it was really like, um, and I was asking you questions. I, I'm sure that there was a moment where I said, um, wow, this is so interesting. It sounds really hard. I'm sure it's not for me. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, a, a lot has changed since then. What's the biggest thing that's changed? Well, the biggest thing that's changed is that we had our live show and I really feel like that was a turning point for me where you know up until then I I loved the space that we created with our podcast conversations I liked that it was like protected it was just us and um, whoever wanted to listen could listen it would be like they're eavesdropping but without affecting the tone of the conversation you know it just felt so safe um and I knew a bit about our listeners just based on um who supported us during our kickstarter um and who had sent us encouraging notes along the way but in general like our our audience I felt like was kind of anonymous to me like all along, I was talking to you, you know. I didn't really know who who was listening in, or I wasn't thinking about them as much. And then um, we were preparing for our live show, and I was so nervous. Were you nervous? Medium. Medium. <laughs> I, I got nervous. I got nervous when I got there. And nervousness shows up for me in lots of different ways, so I think that... There was a form of nervousness that was about me becoming like 
uh, more and more interpersonally rigid up until the moment that the event began. Um, but in terms of like fear that it would go poorly, I didn't have a lot of that in my heart. I see. I think I was just nervous in the sense that like, you know, I tend to get nervous before speaking engagements and I hadn't had one for a long time. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just, I, I just got really nervous sort of imagining the faces <laughs> staring at us while we, while we talked and like wondering how will we maintain our safe space like in front of all these people who knows what they're like and what they'll do like I think my one fear was that everyone would be bored and would just be staring at their iPhones or something I don't know like they'd be there as a favorite to us but checked out yeah yeah I don't know why I thought that but that was my fear and then as soon as people started to arrive that fear just dissipated completely because all of these everyone who came in just it felt like they came in glowing and expectant and excited and with just like the I felt like all of a sudden you know before the room was like us and it had our energy in it and it was like big and like empty and then all these other people came in and they just added to the sense of it being a safe space and to be it being like an interesting and, and beautiful conversation. I felt very safe to have the same type of conversation we always have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just I think I just felt such love towards <laughs> all of these people who came and um, it wasn't scary to look out at them. You know, uh, and then like before and afterwards, um, people, people, there were, there were a few people that I knew, but there are a lot of people I didn't know. And then there were some people who neither of us knew. And, um, I felt like I had a lot of seeds of a conversation, a lot of starts that were like, hi, oh, I'm so excited to be here. Oh, I'm so excited you're here. Thank you for coming. And then, like, there there were a lot of those right in a row. They couldn't really go that far. Um, but I just felt such a wish to um, keep going with the conversation to, to find out uh, why they were there and why they keep listening and what they're thinking about what's kind of what are their should we's mm-hmm. right now like I I kind of wanted to know what stories were inside each person who was there so I as I as I wrote a little while ago in our newsletter I just really wanted to turn the tables all of a sudden in a way that I hadn't really thought of before where did the wanting come from? Uh, I think it was um I think it was a little bit of just just reflecting what I perceived as a desire from some of the people who spoke with me, you know? Like such a so many smiles and like 
Um, well, I think maybe a lot of introverts <laughs> <laughs> saying hello and maybe having some intention um, or wa- wanting to see something else. And, and I wanted them to say it, you know, but, but um, yeah, there, there wasn't necessarily... I, I guess that, that's what, what made me want to take a coaching course is to learn how to um, create space for people to say what they need to say. Yeah, I'm thinking back to my coach training experience and remembering this line like, Half of what people are there for is presence. So half of what clients are there for is your presence. And before coach training, a big theme in my life was that people wanted to be around me or would at least send me emails making requests of me. But I didn't really know what they wanted. You know, I felt like I had this like unstoppable sense that if they were asking me for something small, there was probably something big behind that. And if they were asking me for something big, there was probably something small behind it. And I was really struggling to like sense through it because I took everything so literally. But I feel like, you know, after really drilling the skill of staying present with someone's needs and story, I've been able to stick through the discomfort of like, what do you want from me to like, whoa, what do you want from me? Like, what do you want from yourself also? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and I think, um, I think I've also realized that in my work, one of the most satisfying things for me is a one-on-one where it's either a one-on-one with um, uh, someone who reports to me or a peer that I collaborate with or or with my own manager like it doesn't even really matter to me what direction the conversation is going but um the the ability to to just make space for each other and hopefully come out on the other side with uh of of even a half an hour with a new perspective or a next step or a possibility or just the sense of having been heard. I think that's really satisfying. And and it's also something that I found sort of weird when <laughs> I uh, when I started working in technology in San Francisco. I mean, I don't think I had ever heard of like a one-on-one <laughs> when I worked in publishing. Um, and that, and that first here, I felt like, what, what are we doing? Like, (laughs) sometimes those conversations can seem really unstructured. Um, but I started to learn more about them and more about what's possible with that kind of time and, and how important it is in environments where we, where collaboration is like an extreme sport. (laughs) And you're operating in an open office, and it's like very. There isn't space for, for, just two people, um, to. Figure out where they stand and where they're going, unless you make it, and that can be, 
that can be really the foundation of like a healthy team. The like quiet, subtle, it's like happening in the background. And um, yeah, so, so I think that I want to take some piece of that, of the, those, the one-on-ones that went well. And like right now I feel like it's kind of hit or miss. Like I don't know why some go well and others don't. So I want to understand my tools and, and the ingredients that go into uh, making a really deep and meaningful conversation. What's scary about coach training? Uh, two things come to mind. Um, one is that I have observed your experience with coaching and coach training so closely that, and, and your path has been just remarkable. Really, it's been so exciting to see you blossom and then blossom again. And then just having so many transformations in quick succession. And I think there's a little part of me that that wants to just make sure I am not comparing my own path. Like, like I don't... I. At first, I think, I hope I can live up to that. <laughs> I hope I can get as much out of this as you have. But um, I also just want to be gentle with myself and let it go however it's going to go. Um, and another thing that's scary is that I think... Um, I have a lot of defenses and sort of walls that I've built up maybe over the past few years, which are mostly really practical. They're about boundaries and about um, really clarifying the space between myself and other people and the difference between my emotions and other people's emotions. Um, And also just... um, some walls that are about just moving through this city, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, like, every day, it feels a little bit like I put on armor before I go outside, before I'm going to encounter, like, just even going to and from work mm-hmm. every single day. I'm very likely to be yelled at or catcalled or to encounter something, a site that's really shocking or or scary you know I mean just just based on traveling from one end of the city to another and so you know I have my the tangible manifestations of that are like I have my sunglasses and my headphones and my layers and um my plans for you know which putting one foot in front of the other or or exactly how I'm going to get from point A to point B. But there's there are aspects of that armor to protect me and deflect um, negative energy I encounter during the day that, like, I, I think stick with me throughout the rest of the day a little bit too. 
And so I imagine that this training will require taking that off, or at least taking some of it off. So, so yeah, that's, that's a little scary. What else do you imagine the training being like? Mm, I imagine the training um, reaching to my spirit level which I feel like has been a little bit dormant since divinity school. Like um, up until I graduated from divinity school, I would say I was always a very deeply spiritual person, really attuned with um, the, the realm of, 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 the, the human spirit and in some ways I would just describe it as being very mushy being really like enthralled with poetry and with any type of of ritual practice and and with um, uh, religious texts from all time periods and with um, you know beautiful communities coming together and learning about the shapes of them. I I really loved all of those things. And then uh, by the time I finished divinity school, I think I maybe had like too much of a good thing. Somehow I had I had marinated in the intensity of that and like burnt myself out or something. Or I, I didn't really have the resources I needed to, like, restore myself when that, because the the realm of the spirit is very intense, you know. So then I I have spent all this time where my days are are really focused on. Uh, tangible things, technological things, business objectives, and I feel like my my spirit has been pretty dormant. But it bothers me, and I and I feel like actually there is a spirit level to everything that we do, um, even if it is in a an office with fluorescent lights and scooters, you know. <laughs> So I just want to, like, turn that up a little bit, you know? Wake it up and see what happens. But I also realize that that can be, like, like who knows what that, what that effect that will have on myself or others. Mm-hmm. A word I use a lot with coaching and being coached is jostling, like jostling it all up inside you, you know? And mm-hmm. one of the really great things about it has been seeing like every moment as a possibility of going deeper and it's actually to the point where I'm kind of like mad when I can't get that fuzzy resonant feeling spontaneously because I crave it you know Mm-hmm. I crave it and I feel it when I go to synagogue or when I go to these coaching workshops or when I'm coaching 
or when I'm being coached or when I'm in a really great one-on-one. Mm-hmm. But why can't I just feel it on any random Saturday morning by myself tootling along, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, as I'm saying all of these things, somehow, like, my last night is, like, in my mind in this weird contrast there's something so I don't know so so at odds or so I don't know can I tell you about my last night so so this I don't know what this will say about me but this is how I spent my Saturday night while it was just me my husband was traveling and I curled up on the couch with my dog and um watched hours of the voice um winning auditions (laughs) on youtube and just cried every time i just cried every time diana it's so remarkable it's so remarkable when like you know it was especially the blind audition ones oh my goodness those are so amazing because you see these these judges, they're facing away, and then you hear like like it's like it's the voice of Adele just coming from behind them and just resonating. And then and then they turn around and that voice is coming from like a tiny beautiful black man. <laughs> You're like, what? What? I really love that um the way it, it defies expectations, you know. But anyways, um, I feel like the I'm trying to explain how I ended up there last night. Like, like why? And I was watching for so long. I stayed up really late. That's why I was like rushing to get here today. And I think it's just me, like getting getting restless, you know, looking seeking just a stream of something that will open my heart a little you know and that pretty can I can pretty much count on on uh, winning auditions on the voice to do that (laughs) (laughs) well that's very strategic my last night was like staying up later than I wanted to reading about a former classmates Everest summit uh, experience but you know, it just came across it on Facebook, so it was not very purposeful. I was just scanning, scanning, scanning Facebook to find something that would, like, activate me, you know, in mm-hmm. some way, any way. Um, and I was thinking about how just activation is not good or bad, you know. I mean, it's good or it's bad, but it's never consistently good. Yeah. So, I don't know. Watching winning auditions for The Voice sounds like a pretty strategic approach, but... Um, I think I get what you mean. Like, uh, I've sometimes watched just the, just the runway bits of Project Runway episodes and just like, (laughs) 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 one after another, just like the hit of regard, like seeing those judges being like, wow, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah. Oh man. It's just like, it's like, it's really a... Um, a very consistent recipe that like 
you know, I, I wipe my eyes, I start the next, let the next one come on autoplay, and then by the end of the song, I'm just weeping. I'm like, my heart will go on too. <laughs> Yeah, I saw this Julia Cameron Instagram post today. Julia Cameron, author of The Artist's Way. Uh, She's on Instagram and she posts quote posts. And today's was, artists are dramatic. If you're not creating drama in your art, you'll create it in your interpersonal life (laughs) and or your YouTube viewing. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So true. So yeah, one of the things that I like about being a coach and being coached is that I'm in touch with the real dramas of life, like what people are really, really, really striving for and what I'm really, really, really striving for, where I'm really, really, really stuck and ready for a breakthrough. And that's really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, Diana, what is there anything that you have on your mind that you would want to say to me before I have my first course well it was really interesting hearing about the growth slash blossoming trajectory I've been on because I feel that too but I'm so in it that it feels like I'm always like uh excitedly grinding to the more the next stage you know it's not like a pure unfolding um but it does feel pretty great and what I'd say is that you know, what what I'd say is that there are so many ways for it to just be a deepening. The whole, like, theme of coaching at the Coaches Training Institute is deepen the learning, forward the action. And the idea is just, like, from wherever you are, deepen the learning about whatever you're learning and forward the action of whatever action you're up to. And so it creates a delta no matter what, and it'll create the delta that's most available and most relevant. And so I feel like I've been in a phase of being super outward because I had a lot of the fundamentals for that in place. And also, weirdly, driving toward my wedding, which is happening soon, of course I would say driving toward. I've been using like workplace language to describe all of the effort going into the wedding. But, you know, driving those objectives, driving toward the wedding, it's such a moment of being in the spotlight that I feel like that I could hold constant and then just be like, what other spotlights? What other dreams can I touch? You know, like grab, 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 grab. Like, this is outrageous. It's too much, but I got to keep going. It's the final scene of the movie's coming, you know? So it's been hectic and very educational and not like wholly uh, smooth. So. Anyway, it's been great. Like, I don't want to undermine it, but I do want to say that I feel like I was angled toward a certain set of things that are very visible, but there's a lot of work that can come out of coaching and being coached, which both happen at these workshops, um, that's subtler but just as important. Mm-hmm. I think you were asking earlier about fears. I guess. And another fear I have is just, I don't want to scare the people around me in my, in my life. You know what I mean? Like, um, I think there's this, this hard thing about 
going into an immersive experience where it's like going to band camp. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't go to band camp. I did. <laughs> <laughs> you did. I did other things that, that felt like that. I, I, We both did Middlebury's summer language course where you only speak in that language and you're immersed in Middlebury's world for like six or eight weeks. Um it's really intense. It can be transformative. It can just like, um, at, at least immediately after experiences like that. Sometimes it's hard to talk about anything else. Your your experience is really coloring the the every conversation, and I. I well, I love that feeling, but I also um, I'm not in a cohort, you know, where everyone at work is about to do this, or uh, myself and my partner are about to do this, or whatever, you know. I'm going away to do this, and then I'll come back to my regular life and interaction. So I'm just kind of worried about annoying or scaring people. <laughs> <laughs> with with whatever it is I come back with. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I definitely feel like I uh, push some people's buttons, largely in my, like, evangelical impulse <laughs> unleashed. <laughs> because I found this thing that I liked so much and that's available to anyone who wants it. It's so affordable. Um but I, uh, I definitely, I'm not going to deny that. I definitely feel like it happened. But I also had this realization around the first workshop where I, I mean, it was the second workshop. I went around in the beginning and talked about what fulfills you. And I said, deep conversations fulfill me. And then over the course of that weekend and the subsequent weeks, I realized that the best shortcut I know into deep conversations is talking about growth, like how I'm growing, asking about how other people are growing, and that there was like a derivative of this coaching experience that was just about like what I was realizing about myself and opening conversations with like, here's what I'm realizing about myself, not like, I've got a hot new skill to share with you, you know, yeah. um, but like a little bit plainer and um, raw, like share whatever is raw right then. But you have so much raw material because you're, like, in these conversations, each of which, like, 75% likely unlocks something you've never, ever thought of before. So um, so anyway, that's how I tried to use it. But I couldn't help myself a lot of the time. And, you know, I'm going to give myself a break for that because about half the people I thought I really freaked out about it, like, later got interested in coach training, you know. <laughs> so, like, there's a there's an arc that's about just being a believer and letting that be annoying in the moment and then like seeing whether you still believe it a few months later and if you do that's a really strong signal to whoever followed you along that journey mm-hmm. it's funny i i realized that both of us have a tendency to well we like believing in mm-hmm. things right and so we're every week we're finding something new to believe in and we get so excited about it, and we share it with each other, and maybe we share it with our listeners or someone else. And I don't know, some big portion of the time, whatever that thing is, it, like, falls away. Mm-hmm. You know, we keep whatever was helpful to us from that, and then, like, we move on to another thing. Um, so, so it is kind of interesting 
to to think about to think about that in in relationship to coaching i think because i generally think of it as something like longer lasting than that you know i i hope it i hope so i hope it's a little bit like learning to read or learning a new language where um you know once you learn to see once you learn to like read that different script or whatever um or to to look for certain patterns in a story like like it doesn't go away it's just it's just there and and at, when you first learn it you're like obsessed with reading things in that language or reading you know stories in this way and then and then at a certain point it just becomes like that's just reading it's just the natural part of how you see the world mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and thinking about the classic learning curve model of unconscious incompetence conscious incompetence conscious competence and unconscious incompetence um and like trying to map that to stages of evangelical fervor like at what stage probably like uh that bridge between consciously incompetent and consciously competent um am i doing this model right uh i know what you mean yeah anyway the the reason i'm saying that is that there's like this point in time where you're getting it and but you're like so aware that you have to try in order to apply it. Mm-hmm. So you get it and you're applying it every chance you get in order to like embed it further within you. But there's a point where it just like settles in and becomes second nature and that may be where like the evangelical fervor kind of fades into just a knowing. Mhm. So 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 in the last stage is unconscious competence. Yeah. Right, where you're not super conscious all the time at the front of your mind that you're using a uh that you're applying a particular tool Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's more is fluent you're more fluent yes you're fluent that's a great way to put it and you know a lot of what we get excited about we get excited about solutions and like coaching is a way of identifying problems in new ways identifying opportunities in a new way, and then, uh, like, transforming them into solutions or whatever, but transforming them. And so it is one of those, like, generative tools. You know, it can create more of the thing that's delightful. Can I tell you another thing I'm kind of nervous about? Mm-hmm. I'm nervous about being a beginner. Um, I love being a beginner, usually, and... Uh, but but there's a certain level of nerves that come with it, you know, having to access your your humility and to and your vulnerability and to you know ex- accept the discomfort of learning what what great can mean and not being great yet, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Do you have an easier time being a beginner when the stakes are lower? Like, what do the stakes feel like here? What's at stake? Uh, 
what's at stake is just, I mean, my own impatience. <laughs> I don't want the beginner stage to last very long. I want to do everything I can to speed it up. Uh, and then also there's the aspect of um, learning on other people, right? Mm -hmm. So I, it sounds like the, the course itself involves, you know, coaching and being coached with other students. And then um, right away, my task is to begin working with my first set of clients to practice. And that's a little nerve-wracking, you know, because um, I, then the stakes are their own lives. And so... Um, but it, it still reminds me a little of, of language learning in the sense that the exchange of coaching with other students, because um, that's what happens at Middlebury Language School. Mostly you're with other students who are also learning the language. Mm -hmm. It's different from immersing yourself, like going to a country and just having to pick up a language among all other native speakers. Um, it's a very different thing, um, and it's, it's hard in some ways, but also really nice. I think it will be nice to meet other students. Um, but then the, the applying it by, by working with real people, that's a little scary. It's, it, it, that feels similar to, uh, becoming a manager. Yeah, it's a, that's a pretty high-stakes experiment, but, yeah. you know, there's this line in a book that I read while I was doing training. The book is called The Prosperous Coach, but there's a line that's citing somebody, I can't remember who, uh, that's like, uh, just remember that someone would get value out of just talking through what's on their minds with a lamppost. So as long as you're not worse than a <laughs> lamppost— your presence will bring them value because your presence is creating space for them to speak their minds and get somewhere they've not been before. That's very encouraging, Diana. Thank you for, for setting the bar appropriate low, <laughs> appropriately low. I feel like I can aim to be better than a lamppost. <laughs> but you're also right about this Middlebury... Uh, vibe of learning with other people who are learning where like I have never laughed as much as I did when I was doing beginner improv classes or speaking Russian at Middlebury you know like never have I had that much fun with other adults in my adult life mm -hmm. and there's something so joyous about just like messing up but knowing that you're gonna stick with it um, with these like very everyday things. One of the hilarious parts of being at Middlebury was like trying to communicate like I would like the blueberries and like, what is the word for blueberries? You know, it's so simple. Like, and we could only speak in simple phrases like, I am sad. You know, someone would ask you how you're doing and you could be like, I am happy or I am sad. But that actually <laughs> provided a lot of clarity. And so when you're a beginner and you only have like the beginner vocabulary, sometimes things are a lot clearer and cleaner. That's true. Um, at 
a place like Middlebury, you just have to let go of subtlety for a certain amount of time. And yeah, it does provide some clarity and also sometimes can be really helpful for for seeing things differently like like when you can't just say blueberry and you have to think about it and you have to be like the the round blue fruit that is sweet <laughs> and delicious like you just start saying all the other words uh-huh. that could describe it you just have to talk around it and then at the end of the day you're like it's true blueberries <gasps> are so round and blue and sweet and I, th- this thing that i love which i cannot name <laughs> it's very, it can be um kind of exciting yeah so, Lisa, what question do you want to ask your future self? My future self. Um, oh, that's a great question. I don't know. I think that I want my future self to look kindly on my past self and um, uh, be compassionate with her own self um and I guess I want to ask my future self what is the possibility that's right under my nose right now that I can't see yet you're gonna be an amazing coach (laughs) oh (laughs) thank you Diana As I mentioned at the start of this episode, a lot has happened since it was recorded. And if you might like to work together with me, I would love to hear from you. You can write to me at lisa at shouldwe.co. And um, you can also follow along with my coaching path by subscribing to our Should We newsletter.